And now I'd like to introduce our senior minister, one of my teachers and my friend, Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. Oh, it's just fun to be here. Sweet to be alive. As opposed to the alternative, if you know what I mean. I'm going to invite you to sing a song with me. I think most of you know. Some of you like to stand and sing it, and that's, that's wonderful. If not, please stay seated. And we'll pray. In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear or spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very So what I know in this moment for myself, in the I am, but in that I am, knowing it for each person here, one life, God's life, perfect life, and I claim it once again as my own. I claim this life as my life because that is the truth of my being. It is who I am and whose I am. And I honor and bless the times that I have so beautifully remembered. I also honor and bless the times that I have forgotten. And this infinite divine intelligence has guided me back to that awareness. I'm grateful for that opportunity, for that awareness. God's currency, Spirit's currency, is ideas. I'm grateful for the beautiful teachers, the ideas that continue to emerge in and through and as my life. That is the gift, a beautiful gift. And so on this this beautiful day, this, this eternal moment, I give thanks knowing that every good thing continues to show up in my experience in the forms of people, places, and opportunities to allow me to identify and develop and to continue to share my unique gift. For this, I give thanks. And I invite you to say with me in gratitude and appreciation, knowing it is already done in the mind of the one, and so it is. Beautiful. I want to thank uh, Sandra for presiding this morning. She uh, was filling in for Reverend Connie, and I don't know if you know uh, or not, and maybe you don't, aren't even familiar with Reverend J.J., but Reverend J.J. has a, a church here in, in Edmonton, one of our centers, and her husband, A.J., made his transition on Christmas Day. And so Reverend Connie was um, uh, asked to uh, preside for their Christmas Eve service as well as today, so she's with them, and we want to hold A.J. and, and Reverend J.J. In, in prayer today, as I know it's, they have been partners for 30 years, so that kind of 
um, shock or blow uh, is always very difficult. So as we move through today, um, I want to speak her name because today is about names and just honor that, um, that rite of passage and that transition and to know that, as my teacher used to always say, to know for all of us, especially for, for JJ, Reverend JJ this morning, that she has everything she needs. And so we extend our love silently and in the appropriate ways beyond that. So thank you for joining me in that, that awareness. I wanted to share a quote that uh, came across the internet the other day from one of my peers, and it's from Henry David Thoreau. And in uh, Prosperity Plus, Mary Man and Morrissey talks about Henry David Thoreau being the handyman for Ralph Waldo Emerson and a few other people. But what she didn't say, and I, if you go on Wikipedia, you can find a lot of great information. Uh, Henry David Thoreau actually had graduated from Harvard prior to, be, prior to becoming the handyman. He was also the tutor for the children. There were a few other tasks he had, and he was quite uh, well-rounded. He actually developed the, the formula that they put into the, the lead of a pencil because at, at, at a certain point in time, they, the, the lead was very brittle, so they started mixing a certain amount of clay, and he was the one that came up with that idea. So it's interesting what you can learn when you go on the Internet. But Henry David Thoreau was one of the early transcendentalists. He was also a great thinker. He was a contemporary of Ralph Waldo Emerson and many of the other thinkers of that time, that transcendental movement, which uh, has, uh, it has, is part of our root system as well in our teaching. And he's, he was quoted as saying, what he had done is he, he found a place on, on Ralph Waldo Emerson's property. It was 15 acres, and he went and he lived there for two, about two years. Uh, because, as he says, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and to see if I could not learn what it had to teach. And so he removed himself from all the distractions and he listened because he wanted to pay attention deeply. And he wanted to write from that awareness the things that were bubbling up for him. And what he said is we must learn to reawaken and keep ourselves awake. We must learn to reawaken and keep ourselves awake. Not by mechanical aids, but by an infinite expectation of the dawn, which does not forsake us in our soundest sleep. I know of no more encouraging fact than the unquestionable ability of men and women to alleviate our life by a, to elevate, not alleviate, to elevate our life by a conscious endeavor. It is something to be able to paint a particular picture or to carve a statue, and so to make a few objects beautiful. But it is far more glorious to carve and paint the very atmosphere and medium through which we look. So he's talking about a shift in perception and to see the world with new eyes. I'll repeat that last phrase. It is far more important and glorious to carve and paint the very atmosphere and medium through which we look, which morally we can do. To affect the quality of the day, that is the highest of arts. Every person is, t- is tasked to make their life, even in its detail, worthy of the contemplation of their most elevated and critical hour. If we refuse, or rather used up, such paltry information as we get, the oracles, nature, would distinctly inform us how this might be done. 
And so it is about, he's writing here about the shift in perception, he's writing about consciousness, and he's writing also about, as he talks about how nature, the oracles, which is nature, which is the environment, is always guiding us towards a, a more complete idea of who we are and what we are. And so it is a shift in perception to be able to perceive that. <clears throat> Spirit's currency is ideas. It just simply is. That's how we are blessed through this. God is not a vending machine or a slot machine. But the ideas emerge, and it is in that conversation. And so today we're going to do two things that I'm going to invite you to participate in. One is a process of, of becoming aware of something that perhaps you've carried with you for a period of time, and you're ready to release. And you might not be clear about it right now. I'm going to guide you in a short, <coughs> guided meditation, which is different than a silent meditation. Some of you will be distracted by, by um, thoughts, and that's okay. Just love them, bless them, and see what's alive for you in your, your uh, opportunity. What are you and I, myself, what am I ready to let go of? What am I ready to put down in a way that's meaningful and powerful? And one of the things that I think is really um, wonderful for us to do is when we involve our body because at that level of the, the, the kinesthetic learning, I'm a kinesthetic learner, so I guess I'm drawn to that, but that's why I was, I'm, I'm such a good carpenter. I like to have my hands on something and I can move things around a bit. It helps me with the, with the, the creativity. But I think it's, however we learn, I, uh, I think it's important to take the action and so you've all been given a piece of flash paper. It's a little piece of paper, and if you bring it to a flame, the reason we use flash paper is because we don't want to get anyone hurt and we don't want to burn the place down. <clears throat> but if you take your flash paper and if you light it, if you watch this, and make sure everybody's... Because I know some people are looking down for their flash paper. And I have a candle here and a candle there, and when we get ready to do it, I'm going to invite you to come up and light your flash paper, and I'll hold it up as it goes, and then it just disappears. And if you don't let go of it fast enough, you'll get a little burn on your hand. <laughs> Not really. A little residue of dust, but it didn't, didn't, uh, didn't burn. But what I wanted to do, when we plant a new, when we plant a new crop, it's important, I think, to uh, turn the soil. Laura and I, every, every year, Laura and I plant flowers in our backyard. And we have hundreds of flowers that we plant. And we, we do things throughout the... <clears throat> and when we lived in Southern California, we just planted flowers and let them grow. Because they grow all year round. In Edmonton, they don't do that, have you noticed? <laughs> and so we watch as the weather comes in, and we watch how our flowers do. And eventually they look really sad and depressed, and, and so that is that, that cycle. But when we plant, we, we turn the soil. And so what I, there's a wonderful practice that I've been using over the last uh, several weeks with you, uh, the uh, <clears throat> Ho'oponopono. And I have been immersed in this practice uh, quite diligently myself for several months, and it's been a powerful, powerful practice. And it's a way of clearing the soil of consciousness. And so what I'm going to invite uh, Reverend, uh, Reverend, one of our practitioner interns, Sue Hodge, to come forward. And Sue actually wrote a song based on this. And I'm going to give you the words, and I'm also going to show it to you. And if you would like to stand up and do it with me, that would be wonderful. But there's four movements, <clears throat> and I'm going to keep my notes handy. And the first one, and, and so it goes like this. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And so I love you is that oneness. It's the connection. If, if it's happening for one, it's happening for us. Dr. Holmes said there's no private good. And so if someone is 
<clears throat> someone is having an experience, it, it draws us into that in a way where we can be the observer in it. But I love you as that connection. It is the unconditional love of spirit. I love you. Just offering our love. I love you. <clears throat> and that is, that's brother to brother, sister, sister to brother, and on and on. Beyond the familial, it is that agape love that Michael Beckwith founded a church with. It is our, our infinite self to infinite self. Namaste. The God in me honors the God in you. I love you. I'm sorry is that whatever's alive in my consciousness that has supported you in having this experience, I apologize. Because if we are one and you're having this experience, then there's something alive in me that has helped support you in having this experience. And so I'm sorry if there's anything that, if there's anything that I have, have done that, that supports you. And it also opens us up in the graciousness of understanding that we're all in this together. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Is, the, is that offering of the uh, unconditional apology the humility of, of spirit, of that, that, once again, that connection with self. And thank you. And the thank you is Dr. E, E. Ali Akala is the doctor, Dr. Hugh Lin. But his real name is E. Ali Akala. <clears throat> said that thank you for showing up so I can clear this. Everyone that shows up into our life is an opportunity, especially the ones that really, really push our buttons, is an opportunity to do the clearing. And so how the mudra goes is, I love you looks like this which is the right hand first, and then the left, I love you. And then I'm sorry is the right fist in clockwise or to your left shoulder, because this won't look like clockwise to you. But if the clock were facing you, it would, on my chest. I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, sign language, and then thank you. I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. So I'm going to ask Sue to sing this, a song that she wrote in honor of this practice. Please forgive me. 
you, Sue. Isn't that amazing that one of our music mavens wrote a chant for this? And then one of, because I've talked about it so much, one of our members sent me the, the sign language for it. So it all builds when we plant the seeds of conversation. But what that does for us, and, and, and I find that, that, that it's a practice that I go to immediately now because there's so many things that, that come through that my awareness and my consciousness. And what I want to be able to do is be available to the idea. And so we're building this field of possibility in a, in, in a very intentional way right now. And so what I'm going to invite you to do with your, your flash paper, now you may want to write on the flash paper, but I'm going to invite you to, in a moment I'm going to lead a short guided meditation and then I'm going to invite you to come up to release that and burn it. And there's, there's a candle on the, my left and right here. But what I would suggest to you, even if there's not a great deal of clarity around a specific thing, it is the willingness to be open to what is, is right and perfect to be put down. You may not have, the, you may not have it all lined up, but if it, which would indicate a bit of confusion or chaos. So maybe it's the, to release the chaos or the confusion, which is part of the resistance to the clarity. It's just how the mind works. This is not a bad thing to be confused. It's just a, it's, it's a state of being. And so if anybody, and Gary's handing out pens, if anyone would like to write on that paper, I think it'd be quite difficult, but you may want to write it down. Some, I think you'll probably remember what you're going to release, but maybe not. So please, and if you can write it on there, and we have a, a limited amount of Sharpies when we get to stage two of what we're going to do or the second phase of this today, but we'll share So what I'm going to invite you to do is just get very comfortable right now, as I will, as I stand here with you. And I'm also going to invite you to, what will we'll guide this is your experience. There'll be a current experience that you're having. And I'm also invite you to be open to the possibility of what the core of that may be. What is alive within you? What is alive? What's happening within myself that is helping support the experience that you're ready to be done with? Or this idea at that core. If you wish life were different, if you were looking back, I'll use this as an example. If you're looking back at things that have happened in your life and you wish they'd been different, or you're looking forward in anticipation of how you would like things to, to be uh, in a way that is um, pulling you out of present moment, because it's always good to plan. It's good to have ideas in mind. Where do you want to be and where, how do you want to be on the, on the planet? But if that's your dominant thinking, it's a form of envy, wishing things were different in the past, in the moment, or in the future. And so the reason I share it is that maybe what you're willing to put down is envy in all areas of life. If you find yourself angry, you know, just to be willing to put the, the, put the anger down, if that is part of the pattern in your life, that you're ready to be done with this idea of anger or sorrow or sadness. Whatever it is, it's, it's right and perfect but there's possibly a bigger idea to give birth to. And so when I, I share those ideas with you because there may be a person in your life that you would like to release, and that's not a bad thing. And you can ho-o-pono-pono them as much as possible. That's their gift. Thank you for showing up in my life so I can clear this. Thank you for showing up and being such a great reminder to keep me awake and aware so I can continue to do this cleaning process. And so I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And I know right here and right now there is one life, one power, one infinite divine activity. And once again, I choose it. 
in the I am of each person here, and I know that I am guided in this moment to the right and perfect awareness, the right and perfect idea, the right and perfect opportunity to continue to clear this field of consciousness, to shift perception in this moment, and to be open and aware and available to whatever it is that I bless and release in this moment. As I track my breathing in and out, an idea bubbles up. Something that I'm ready to put down, to release. give thanks for this awareness I give thanks for the opportunity to be still to listen between the, the ideas that float across my awareness something emerges something ready to let go of And so I invite you to walk forward with your flash paper representing that idea. It is in the twinkling of an eye that life is changed and transformed. It is in the twinkling of an eye. Paul wrote in Corinthians, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishably, and we will be changed. The, the spiritual journey is always one of subtraction, of clearing. I can just feel the the, uh, the energy shift. It's a field a field of grace. The other piece or part to this is you were given a white stone. It's a little piece of two-by-two tile when you entered. Does anyone not have a white stone? Well, could Gary, could you bring a few up just in case this young lady in the front row here doesn't have one? <clears throat> How did you get by our stone guards? <laughs> well done. She just appeared in the front row. So a name is very significant, and I, and I love this, this ritual. I just love the, the opportunity. I love the flash paper. If you're ever looking for flash paper in Canada, you'll 
not find it. <laughs> the last time I bought flash paper, I bought a lot of it because it was a, it was a challenge to, uh, to find. But it is in the twinkling of an eye, as Paul said. It comes from Corinthians. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishably and we will be changed. And the dead is the awakening. The quote that I read from Emerson at the beginning, it's the awakening from the dead, the waking up. And, and, and it is a journey of, of release and letting go. And so as we, we move into, in many of the cultures, as we take on the qualities, we take on a new nature, which is a name. If we look back in history, when Saul was struck by lightning on the road to Damascus and he was struck blind, his name was changed from Saul, which means personal will, to Paul, which means enlightened will. Isn't that interesting? Because all of the names in the Bible have a significant meaning. And so the name and the shifts and changes that take place for all of us are so important. The white stone is significant, and what it comes from historically is during the Roman Empire, when you were released from prison, you were given a white stone. And you were to carry the stone with you everywhere you went. And everybody knew that if you had a white stone with you, not only were you free, but you had a clean slate. Isn't that sweet? We've all heard the clean slate. It comes from the Roman Empire. You were able to begin anew. Also carrying this stone gave you all the benefits of being a Roman citizen. And that meant the Roman army protected you, which was no small thing. So the white stone, we symbolize that we can leave behind whatever personal prison we may have created for ourselves. Because we're making it all up anyway. I mean, isn't that the fun thing? Once we realize it, I'm just making all this stuff up. It's my perception. And some of us are such great storytellers. I know I am. We went and saw The Fighter yesterday, the, the movie The Fighter. Has anyone seen that? Oh, my gosh. That is one of the most incredible movies I've ever seen. And it turns out this boxer, and it's based on a true story, has seven sisters. And my seven sisters are in this movie. <laughs> when you see the movie, you'll know what I grew up with, I'm telling you. It was, it's wonderful. It's wonderfully written and acted, and it's just such a beautiful, beautiful story of how, how we can l function at such a dysfunctional level. <laughs> if you look out in the world, Laura and I walked out of that and looked at each other and said, we have no problems at all. <laughs> but it was a wonderful movie. I just highly recommend that film. But we can create our own personal prisons. And I have done that and I continue to do that when I forget, when I fall asleep. And so the spiritual practice, these practices that we share are staying awake for longer periods of time. And when we do go to sleep, recognize it sooner rather than later. My story, I believe, is true. You believe your story is true. My story is a way to justify who I am and how I came to be that way. Your story may be that you're an adult child of an alcoholic parent, or we learn to play the role of the victim most of our adult life, or blame our parents for our unhappiness. And our stories are important because it helps shape us who we are. But we're far more than our stories. We don't forget our stories, and we don't justify what happened as a result of our stories, but we learn from our stories. Our stories inform us. And see, that's the consciousness 
when we step into that consciousness of awareness and become the observer of our life, you realize, wow, that's why I do that all the time. And perhaps some of that that you let go of here today, maybe that was part of that. And that's wonderful. And if it isn't, and also, this isn't the only time to do this. This can be a daily ritual. Oh, you know what? I think I'm ready to let that go. And so what I'm going to invite you to do is you have your stone. We have some pens that we've passed out. And you may know the name that you're guided to. You know, as I've done this, I've watched the various things. I mean, for the last 48 hours, I've been kind of in this idea. And, And... I need, you know, I need a stone that's six feet by eight feet wide right now to write all the names that keep coming. So I know that part of that for me is the ego saying, oh, it's this name and it's this name. And I thought, well, is it? You'll know the name yourself. And you may know it today. You may take this stone home. But keep this stone somewhere. It's small enough to keep in your pocket or your purse. Carry it with you. And ask, because for me, what happens is in between the thoughts and in between the busy mind, all of a sudden there'll be spaces of emptiness. And something will emerge, something will arise. And you go, oh my gosh, there's the name. Sue Hodge changed her name this year to Belle. She said, it just came to me. And so she's Belle, because as our nature changes, our name changes. And so it's a powerful thing to take with us. The other thing that I'm going to invite you to do is in your program, if you know today or when you come back next week or you come back in two or three weeks, whenever you come back, and you know the name, and it can be two or three words, just write small. It could be whatever it works for you. But I would suggest once you become clear about it, fill out a prayer request card that we have in your program and have these practitioners, have our prayer team support you in that. Where two or more are in agreement, it is done. Support ourselves moving forward this, this year, coming together in a new name, a new nature. And what, is being, what, is, what are we being called to give birth to? So I'm going to invite you once again to go back into a short meditation. I'm going to be quiet throughout this. See what arises for you. I'll invite Brown to doodle a little bit. We have created the field of possibility in a beautiful way today. We have cleared. We've settled into the grace, this field of grace that we create together collectively. This unconditional love. What is the new name? You will know it. It is yours and yours alone. with a prayer so I know once again for myself in that I am for each person here one life spirit's life my life I am guided in this moment and each moment hereafter to that new name that new nature 
And it may not make sense to me, but I'm ready, willing, and able to write it down anyway. I put my personality and my ego out of the way and I let whatever it is come forth. Whatever is seeking to be given birth uniquely in and through and as myself, I give thanks. And I pay attention. I write it down. I keep my new clean slate in front of me in 2011 to guide me, inspire me, to lead me, to inform me. I use my forgiveness practice powerfully and wonderfully whenever I forget, whenever I start to grab on to someone in my mind's eye that I think life should be different in some way. I take responsibility for all of it and I bless it and understand that my gift of consciousness to myself is my gift to the world. I know I am guided in the right activities that support me in this new nature, in this new, the new quality or qualities that I give birth to in my life. I'm grateful for a clean slate. I'm grateful for an opportunity to forgive, to put down, to release, and to step through the new threshold of my life. For this I give thanks. And so it is.